0: Okay, welcome to episode two of My Humble Opinion. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Sydney Miller, and my fellow host, Nick Finan, is here. And today we're joined by uh, sports editor, Jason Hahn. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about pretty much everything that's been going on this past week with all this election shenanigans and, I guess, all the shenanigans that are going on in... um, (laughs) in the world so Jason did you want to start us off with you had something that you wanted to tell us about Tucker Carlson yeah so I uh,
1: I uh, was asked to bring uh, an article right and I found I found a really fantastic article from the new republic called Trump's divorce from Fox News is getting ugly right and I was thinking no I've seen how their opinion editors are saying they really they really don't actually they really feel this so I found, um, a, like a transcript from Tucker Carlson's op Field. Tucker Carlson: media must take a step back from the election and let our system work. And it's, it's just like pretty amazing pedantry. Cause what, what Tucker Carlson, like the main thesis of his article here is basically that, um, Democracy' is actually working great right now because trump's attacking the legitimacy of democracy so um it's actually the media you think things are going bad right now right that's actually the media which is a pretty common kind of like comfy in refrain um but that uh, that I really feel is just a heinous mischaracterization of what's going on and and he knows it but um, this is probably an article that's being read by you know millions of people just because of the kind of poll that Tucker Carlson gets. So to see like the mind of a Trump supporter is pretty interesting here, you know. Yeah,
2: yeah I mean, I, well, right. So Tucker Carlson has, or rather, Fox News's lawyers have have like had to argue in court that everything he does on his show is not news; it is performance art, like that. Yeah. Like, so like he's not he's not even a news pun he is a performance artist they argued that that what uh, i believe it was they the argue
1: that um he should be allowed no to one could on legitimately, legitimately take him seriously or something
2: serious. like that
1: and nobody takes him seriously yep
2: yeah um, yeah which is not true you
1: but what, you read what he's like put on here um okay this is this is a great line Winnie, pennsylvania would put joe biden over the threshold of, of the electoral votes so joe biden is now the president-elect but how many of the 69 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump this week would believe that and accept it at this point
0: i don't know tucker carlson i feel like you could probably help some of the people believe that if you reported the facts um and didn't yeah. stoke this fire
1: exactly and like the idea that it is it is like just a complete impetus from the people itself right that these people are are not whipped into a frenzy by Donald Trump declaring these election results invalid and having done so for months leading up to this election, and then you're saying, well, you know, the 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 Trump people don't believe that they've lost completely of their own volition. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah. I. I mean, I don't. I don't know how you solve that other than. Just. I mean, this is going to sound harsh, but, like, just telling them to get bent, right? Like, I don't don't know if there's any solution to it other than to just be, like, you're wrong and then move on.
0: I mean, yeah, like, how – it's sort of how, like, Twitter and other news sources, but – sorry, uh, social media platforms, but, like, especially Twitter has gotten under fire for, like, censoring Donald Trump's tweets and, like, tweets. But because, you know, those tweets are – giving people misleading information about the election and yeah. i think that's interesting it, oh. and i just think uh, d- uh, did
2: you see that did you see that um uh, uh if trump loses which it looks like he's going to yeah um twitter is removing like any like special like ban protections from his uh uh at donald trump account
0: what does that mean? Removing ban protections?
2: Um, so, so right, so, like, normally if someone spread, the like, as much misinformation as Donald Trump spreads on Twitter, they would have been banned. But because he's the president, that account has not been banned. Now, personally, I don't think that, like, that his personal account should receive that treatment. Obviously, the at POTUS account mm-hmm. should, because, you know.
0: Yeah.
2: Um... But you know it's it's personal account, right,
1: so this comes down to uh, like to the to the free speech debate mm-hmm. right and and uh, there are a few things that Americans can agree upon more than that free speech is good um uh, assuming that we don't have like the autocracy in like fifteen years and they eliminate free speech because of the first will of the people or whatever but but assuming that that does not happen, I do believe that if Trump continues to spread misinformation and disinformation that he should be taken down. And I, I believe that because as a free speech advocate for m- myself, I believe in uh, maximizing the amount of free speech, right? And to maximize free speech, sometimes you have to take down speech, which which um, lowers the general cap to which you're operating at, right? So if I say something and that prevents four, five, six people to rightfully not want to talk anymore and to be silenced. And that, uh, is not quite justifiable in my opinion. It's a matter of maximizing,
2: not. I, I, I don't even think it's a free speech issue, right? Because so, okay. So obviously we live in a capitalist society and Twitter is providing a service, Twitter doesn't have to provide the service. They don't have to run this. Right. So. They get to decide who uses their platform and who doesn't. That's the whole that's the whole thing. If you want if you want to have absolute free speech on Twitter, then then you should be advocating for like a state run social media, which is a bad idea.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I think but, that
1: most people will just say to your, like to respond to your point that Twitter at this point is just like a public forum, right? And just like a public service. And obviously that's not the case, but that's what they'd advocate yeah.
2: for. I mean yeah, but like also but then Twitter would say we're a business. We have to remove things that, you know, harm our business interests. Which, you know, I personally am not a fan of that, but for totally different reasons.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess I mean, at this point it's like they're probably not going to take him off Twitter just because he's such a a large the year and has such a large following of people who buy into the idea that he's being, you know, mistreated and he's, the, well, you, the, the fact media's that his against him. So
1: large makes the impetus for so much greater, right? Yeah. Um, and, and obviously what's going to happen is he's just going to start his own media company, right? And it's just going to become like like OAN on steroids. Um, <laughs> but the fact that he has such a large audience, Again, Twitter does not necessarily have a, a, a duty to carry anybody, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean if he really yeah, like, wants his voice heard he can just he can go out and he can like live on a tent on Pennsylvania Avenue and he can just shout stuff all day if he really wants to. Yep. Yep. And I mean
2: like president, the he's done being president, right? Like he's a former president the media is not gonna like not report crazy stuff he says at least for like a little while right I mean eventually it'll like people will people will ignore him because I
0: hope. you know I mean
2: how many people listen to George Bush nowadays right
0: well yeah
1: but that's also not that George Bush George Bush largely pulled away from the spotlight right like if he was if he was making any comments on this election the media would have carried that and the fact is that donald trump and american fascism as we know it is not going to die with this election and trump's going to probably and i don't trump's probably going to keep carrying this like he's going to be the torchbearer for this movement he's going to continue doing that um but i don't think he actually cares about any republicans i don't think anybody would like delude themselves actually thinking that
2: i don't think like like trump's not a true believer in trumpism um he's a true believer in Trump, right? <laughs> so like, I, I believe that you can, right? So like, there's Trumpism the movement, which is just, you know, code for like American fascism, right? Uh, 21st century American fascism. Um, and then there's, but, but like, then there's Trump. And I like, you can divorce the two. Um, you know, Trumpism is defined by sort of like, sort of like a, um, a racialized nationalism, and America. a fear of, a fear of like Muslims and you know Hispanic people, uh, and a disdain for anyone asking the cops to kindly not kill them. Which is kind of like part and
1: parcel of the American experience, which is why, which is why Trumpism has been able to so adapt, uh, like so effectively emerge from Republicanism. I mean, one could argue that from like uh, Barry Goldwater, for example, right? That that this very like racialized form of
2: politics uh has just been the Republican Party, you know. Oh yeah, I mean I mean if you like if you've ever like listened to uh Barry Goldwater's speech at the uh Republican convention, I'm blanking on the year, I think it was sixty four. Yeah, sixty four uh, Yeah, sixty four or sixty eight. No, no, it was sixty four. Um like this, like the crowd just loses it. Um, it is like, I mean, it it's it's like if you if you um, replaced like a Hitler speech with an American talking, like that's like it, it it's chilling. Um, and the fact that people don't talk about it more is kind of weird, although understandable given how badly Barry Goldwater lost, because he lost real bad.
1: Oh, definitely, but his his rhetoric really embedded itself within the Republican oh, yeah. Party. Oh, yeah, oh, um, yeah. Because it was so effective at, like, a base level, but I do want to ask, I do want to ask if we can move the subject a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, what y'all think of the increased minority representation in the Trump coalition?
2: Um,
1: yeah. And obviously so it's not like black men are voting now, like, 50-50, right? Biden and Joe. Yeah. I think the number went from 8% to 12%. Um, but even that number seems absolutely insane to anybody watching the situation.
2: Yeah. So I think that it, um, I, th- I think largely it has to do with, um, the Republicans' ability to, like, spin Black Lives Matter as this, like, exclusively, like, black movement rather than like it's for everybody which is you know like a product of the the like branding of the movement right um so i i think that um like there you know might have been an ability to sort of like taint the view of black life the view that other minority groups had of black lives matter to sort of uh like temporarily lump them in with like you know like like the white people that trump was talking to
0: i also think that if you if you look at the exit polls there has been an increase you know in in minority men voting for trump but the vast majority of women of color did not vote for trump they voted for biden and even you know white white women like i i don't know if you've seen the maps that have been going around but like if only like this demographic voted in america and it's it shows like how the states would be red and blue it's like the white woman one is like almost terrifyingly red like it looks like a husker football crowd but i think that there's something to be said about how donald trump portrays his he sort of gives this sense of like inflated masculinity through his ego he makes he sort yes. of gives people the sense that like if you can just hate other people and that's a way to be proud of yourself and a way to show how secure you are in yourself by not caring about other people which i think is something that i would argue that most men no matter um if they're men of color or white men are susceptible to in a society that forces them to be strong and masculine all the time.
1: Um, there is a really good point there also that um, if you, if you go back to like Umberto Eco's, the anatomy of Earth fascism, right? Uh, one of the key ways in which fascism derives itself is as a kind of uh, hyper masculinity or a kind of machismo. Um, and and that's, like, just a, a common feature because it also relies on the cult of tradition and the rejection of modernity and these, like, symbols of the hyper-masculine hunter or whatever, right? Um, and Trump plays to that perfectly for some reason. I mean, he's never – it it almost feels, like, pointless to mention, but he's never really worked a day in his life. So I have no idea why he's become this auger. What's
0: that?
1: Go ahead. Sorry, I couldn't hear you.
0: They're just, they're, 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 they're like soft. pillows. He's got soft hands. I, that reminds me of, like, this King of the Hill episode where, like, Hank Hill shakes... This is George Bush's hand, and it's, like, he just got a bad handshake, and Hank Hill's, like, completely shook to his core. Um, <laughs> which is... And then that... So, I don't know if you guys have, like, watched King of the Hill, or I've seen stuff about how, like, you know, Hank Hill's supposed to be, like, the American Texas conservative, and there's all these debates about whether or not he would support Trump, and I actually find that really interesting to think about, just because he is so, you know, he's like, ah, George Bush, like, couldn't shake my hand well, and like, I'm scared that my son's gay because he likes comedy, um, but also, you know, he's he he has all these values and patriotism, and like, just supports his party to no end, and I feel like that's exactly the kind of guy that either would be very much on Trump's side, or you like just reluctantly not Uh. i think that i think you
2: know i think that you know hank hill probably would have been one of those guys in 2016 who uh liked what bernie was saying but then voted for trump because (laughs) you know the establishment
1: and that was a pretty sizable like weird coalition of people like that was a thing um, which, it, it doesn't make sense if you actually look at policy, it makes sense that you understand politics as like a battle of
2: assets, mm-hmm. right?
1: Where it's just like, it's just the change versus the establishment, yes. which is not, it's not necessarily an awful way to look at it, but it can lead you to those weird... I
2: mean, it's, I mean,
1: but another thing I'd like to say um, is that there's this, there's this like misunderstanding of the Trump coalition, in that people think that it's just the, the white pro slaving away who really is pro-Trump. And that might not necessarily be the case. I think that you find Trump's largest base of support is amongst like upper middle-class white people who literally only really live, right? For watching a bunch of NFL football games every year, right? And that is the apotheosis of their being. Um, and these kind of people who understand politics not as an extension of uh, what the government can do for you, but like, whether or not, you kneel for the flag, right?
0: or like, like who you're data.
2: being,
1: right? Yeah, exactly. And that is like Trump's largest base of support. And the, the, the Hank Hill type, the, mm-hmm. the pro who uh, really has to like, play, like, do wage slavery every day, right? Most of the time they just don't vote because they just mm-hmm. don't care. And they don't have to care, you know?
0: Hmm.
2: Voting is time consuming and time is money. Yeah, exactly.
0: I would say I I hope that we've revolutionized the way we vote in this country because this was my first time voting, but I, I went to the polls with my parents when I was a kid, and it was just, like, boring. I was, like, excited, you know, because I was a kid, but I don't want to have to do that, like, as, a, as an 18-year-old. I don't want to do that again when I'm, like, 22. I don't have time for that. I really liked voting by mail, and it's very unfortunate that Trump is casting all this doubt about... Um, Mail in ballots because I think that that is a much more democratic way to go about voting. But
1: yeah, so, what do you guys think of mandatory voting and voting as a holiday? Well, okay,
2: so so like right. Objectively, man- like having a mandatory voting law, it like it objectively works, but I don't like it. I, I I don't like the idea of like the yeah, state kidding, for for not participating. That being said, as long as you can just like spoil your ballot, uh, I don't necessarily have an issue with it. But it makes me it makes me uneasy.
0: I don't think that we should have to be forced to vote because pretty much like Nick saying like there's you're gonna be able to throw away your vote either way if you don't vote or if you vote like if you look at Georgia. Joe Jorgensen has, like, um, a couple, I think it's about almost 2,000 votes now. And, like, with how close it is between Trump and Biden, like, um, those would be really useful votes to have not gone to a third party. And it's pretty much the same as not voting. But what I I will be in support of is definitely not going to happen, which is I think we should have a ranked voting system where, like, the, you know, you can rank your candidates by choice and then the one that gets the most number one picks. Gets to be the thing, and then, you know, it. But it's very European and very like almost too nice, and I don't think that we'd like it because we're very competitive. We're we love our first past the post, electoral college. Like, I don't even know why. I think everyone pretty much knows by now that the electoral college is is ridiculous. But we're all like, well, we've been doing it for two hundred years, so I guess we got to keep it.
1: Do you have anything to add, Nick? Because I'd like to jump in here.
2: <laughs> Go ahead.
1: Yeah. Um. There. There was something really interesting that that I read about first past the post, and it was in um uh, a book called The Coming of the Third Reich from uh, Richard J. Evans, um, and he said that one of the, one of the big uh, one of the big like fears in like ranked choice voting was that it would or like the weird like parliamentary system that Germany had was that it would give like fringe reactionary parties a seat at the table um, when that would not be good for the well-being of the weimar republic but basically what what richard j Evans found was that first past the post was actually one of the most effective ways once nazism first started to come into play it was one of the most effective ways for it to continue going through power and to continue to uh, uh or at least first past the post would have done a really good job in doing that um, I, I don't remember the specifics, but first past the post is like an awful, awful, weird system that makes sure that you just have a two-party duopoly forever, where not necessarily a, a great, sizable proportion of the American populace are even represented.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I um, I feel like that if you look at the way um, the UK's Parliament is, they don't necessarily have like fringe groups in their Parliament, but there are there are about six or seven parties, I believe, um, and they all have, yeah. they all, like, varying degrees, of, there are the two main parties, of course, but I think that it's yeah, well. really important that they have all these, like, varied parties that have varied special interests, because the Democrats, like, and the Republicans, they can't speak, they don't speak for half the country each, they speak for, like... Ten percent of the country each, and then everyone else is like, "Well, this is better. This is closer to what I believe than that." So I guess I'll go with it. It's not true representation. So,
2: yeah. um, okay, so 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 uh, the, uh, the UK has first past the post, um, but for whatever reason, it has resulted in uh, in more third parties. Proportional... Part of that is because they have like regional parties.
0: Yeah, and it's um, like proportional too.
2: Uh, like the Scottish National Party, and like. Uh, various northern irish parties um but uh so um i think that uh the the big problem is that the republicans and democrats they're not like one ideological like cohesive unit they are two big tent parties that represent like super vast spectrums um like the the democrats are from like you know, like the center right to like the center left
0: <laughs> and
2: the Republicans are from like the center right to like the far right. Uh, I mean, at,
1: at this point, considering how much the narrative has become, well, the reason why the Democrats are not winning in a landslide is because of Bernie Sanders for some reason, <laughs> considering that that's the narrative the Dems are trying to push. They seem to just want to keep going right. And at some point with the Democrats, I seem to think like, if y'all are not committed to not just being the Republicans, then why not just be the Republicans? I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I like they Like they've already started to blame progressives, even though, even though and uh, AOC tweeted this, um, that um, of, of all of the, of all of the incumbent Democrats, that have come out in support of Medicare for All and Green Deal, none of them lost their seats. The people who lost their seats were in large part moderates. Um, so, I like that sort of bolsters the claim that like you can't fight um, conservatism and fascism with like a moderate. You need to. You need to address the concerns that are making people vote for these people, um, which are largely, you know, the failings of people like Nancy Pelosi and other neoliberals, right? Mm-hmm. You need to... Yeah, totally. You need to fight them with, with, um, with like, you know, left populist solutions against right populist solutions because that's where we're headed. We're, we're headed towards populism. Right. Like, I mean, I don't like Steve Bannon, but he does get this right. Uh, he d- he does again, get right that. But uh, that work. I mean, I mean, Steve Bannon said some some crazy stuff last night. Uh. Uh. But yeah. Uh, I I think that you know, we're headed towards populism, and it's left or right. You got I mean, theoretically, there could be centrist populism, but like. That seems more like a unicorn to me. I don't know. Um, so uh, I kind of wanted to talk about the...
1: Oh, what were you going to say Something. Oh. Sorry.
0: Oh, um, I was just it was so bizarre to me in the debate when he was, like, attacking... Or when the one debate that they had where they didn't talk over each other and Trump was, like, attacking Joe Biden for being a socialist... And being for Medicare for all, and Joe Biden was like, I'm not a socialist. I beat all those socialists. And now I'm the Democratic candidate. And I was like, God, like, who is your base? Like, uh, I...
2: Dur- oh, uh, during the primary, Pete Buttigieg said, like, they're going to call us socialists anyways. Why not, like, do a little bit of socialism? I mean, he didn't say do a little bit of socialism. He's like, why not do a little bit of progressive? Right, because right. you know, socialism is apparently a bad word in America, and and you'll be burned to the stake for saying it and advocating. It. Yeah, I remember when history
1: Bernie history. Sanders was at the uh, Fox Fox News town hall, and basically the the Fox News anchor came to him and he said like, people call you a radical. Do you do you believe you're a radical? Right? And he basically he basically turned into a policy discussion. He said, is Medicare for all is that radical? And, and the audience said no. Is um, free university or tuition free university like they have in Europe? Is that radical, right? No, that those are human rights. And the thing is, is that what Biden does to the like response of are you a socialist, right? Is just say no, yeah. which and that doesn't like you could facilitate better conversation there each time. And it's partly because Joe Biden doesn't he's not fact orator, um, not even when he was younger. Um, but yeah, it was always a missed opportunity and now they're blaming it on progressivism for no, no, for Yeah, reason.
2: Yeah, there absolutely zero evidence of it. I mean, you know, like running running on this moderate uh, platform lost the Democratic Party five seats at least. Uh, you know, it's, it's clearly not working. Yeah, I don't they're not going like, to say
1: that, they're going to say they did too much progressivism, and that's why, that's why they have to move to the right.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like, 26 out of 30 DSA-sponsored candidates, you know, won their seats, right? It, this is, it, people are very clearly in favor of progressive issues, even if they don't like it being called socialism, right?
1: Yeah, like, progressive ballot uh, measures get overwhelming,
2: yeah I mean I mean, right like Nebraska, you know Nebraska voted to uh, uh, voted to you know abolish slavery as the uh, as you know as a punishment for a crime. That being said, the margin was a li- is concerningly large. But there are people who think it might be because of confusing wording. I'm not sure how much of that is true.
0: I mean, also like Uh, there are people who are like, you know, if they're in prison, why shouldn't they, you know, do some work while they're at it? Which is, I I don't believe that. that I don't believe that, but I can see how some people would believe that. Although when you're confronted with the language of literally like slavery, you have the word slavery in front of you, and you're still like. I think that this is a good thing in 2020, that's a little concerning to me. But I will say, like, in western Nebraska, I'll go in to, like, my mom's cousin teaches at art school. I went into her class one day. There's just a kid in a conservative flag sweatshirt. And I was like, is that like a conservative flag sweatshirt? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, but you weren't even a state in the the confederacy. And she's like, I don't know what you want.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, people from Nebraska died fighting for the Union. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's
1: very strange, but like modern, uh, and I think a lot of it just has to do with like lost cause mythology being a lot more appealing. Cause there's like the myth of the enlightened North after the Civil War, that every Northerner was just this like perfect beacon for slavery, uh, of abolition and social justice, right? In reality, a lot of the North were a lot more moderate than that, um, and and the Republican abolitionists were always the radical fringe part of that movement. Um, so, so yeah, it the, looks like you want to say something.
2: The only good man, the only good white man of of the eighteen hundreds was my boy John Brown. <laughs> oh, John Brown! God, I love him. The the man was like. Dedicated to genuine racial equality. Bad father, though. Bad father. Not a good dad or a good happens.
0: husband. You got. You got to pick one or the other. You can't have both. <laughs> you can't have racial equality yeah, well, and a good. Well,
2: nobody's perfect. Okay.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. So what, um, Nick? You said you wanted to move on to another. Topic. Oh yeah.
2: Um, so uh, in, uh, I believe it was uh, last night, um, a group of. Uh, Trump supporters uh, tried to storm the convention center where they're counting ballots in Philly, uh, which, as as you may or may not know, is terrorism. Uh, and,
0: well, you know, they're they clearly
2: were, inspired by the president. Were they, like,
0: going in to, like, help them it's, count the ballots because they're taking I mean, so
2: long? Yeah, like... <laughs> Because they're taking too long. Well, I mean, there there are all of these there are all of these like conspiracy th- conspiracy theories about like you know like the Democrats are like stuffing ballots when there's absolutely no evidence of this. Um, and I think that any Next
1: counterpoint. I saw an Instagram video. I, I I'm getting information here. I saw an Instagram video. Where there were a few dates that said one 1900 those people have been one hundred twenty five years old. Obviously, there's widespread voter fraud.
2: And if you don't realize, I'm kidding. That was a joke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um,
2: people are like, this hundred and eighteen year old person voted in Detroit, and they're dead. It's like, okay, so that's that's one person. That's one person. Great. Toss that ballot out. Okay this is like it's not representative of a large systemic issue you know people's dogs are not voting droves uh and you know if they were they they would probably vote for joe biden
0: you know the thing about like voter fraud is that you know it happens in in russia and there's the Everyone knows that it happens There are videos of ballot boxes Being stuffed in Russia And Putin wins by a ridiculous majority Although, I don't know what's going on With Putin now, but that's that's a whole other thing um, But like It it doesn't make any sense That if the Democrats have the power To swing the election, why in God's name Would they make it this close? Like why? Yeah, why would yeah. they lose
1: the Senate While they're at it? Like a presidency without Good a is, like functionally worthless. You I mean, make, like, like executive yeah. orders and have the bully pulpit, and that's that's like a lot
2: of your power right there. How can the Democrats simultaneously be competent enough to to rig the election, but incompetent enough to lose the Senate? And
0: like, then, yeah. So that, it's like, you know, is
2: it? So and and, is he you really know, This saying... sort of gets to the sort of core component of like that. One of the core components of fascism, where like your you know your enemy has to simultaneously be insurmountably Mm -hmm. is there both strong and your enemy has to be simultaneously insurmountably like powerful and also weak and easy to crush right there is this like like we are the oppressed ones and also we are you know we are on the verge of conquering this you know great uh and it I mean, it's just an incoherent ideology. It's, it's why you can get people in Philadelphia st- uh, shouting, shouting, stop the count. And people in Arizona shouting, count all of the ballots. And they're on the same side, right? Yeah,
1: and it, I do think that the incoherency, the incoherency of that is like the, the inherent contradictions of fascism actually help it to some extent. Because if you're going to have somebody who is going to believe in this kind of, uh, this literal double thing, right? Then they're probably willing to believe just about anything, you know? So that's like, you it, it, fascism does very much prey on on uneducated people, you know? And not necessarily even like people who are, it, it, it preys on, on people who have no like media literacy, for example, who are very susceptible to propaganda. So that's why you see like, reputable doctors supporting donald trump for example
2: you don't need facts if you're if, if, if you're not arguing based on facts uh oh, know, yeah
1: it's just a matter of affects for a fact yeah yeah like, i mean, like arguments have nothing to do it's like a matter of who looks like they're winning and the actual content of what it, they it. yeah
2: it, it's a hundred percent aesthetic um and that's you know that's that's why that's why it's it's so easy to sell these to sell these, like, you know, fascist policies so long as you don't have a swastika tattoo, right? Like, the minute that they see, like, the, like, Nazi salute or something, everybody just, like, backs off immediately. But, like,
1: nobody stops believing. I was allowed to get away with it for, like, a solid few months.
0: Well, it's because, like, there's the whole thing that it's, like, if you bring up Hitler in an argument, you've lost the argument, and it's, like, well, okay, but maybe... Maybe we don't need to bring up Hitler, but we do need to bring up, like, the Third Reich. And that is, you know, yeah. that is That's something a point. that we might have to talk about here in the future or right now on this podcast, as we are. Or, but I think, I think more people should be talking about it and looking at what the Trump administration is doing in connection to what happened in Germany. And I, I don't think that you should automatically write someone off just because they say the word Hitler, which Hitler was extremely, like, that's a very extreme thing to be if you're Hitler. But, you know, Hitler wasn't always Hitler. He was, you know, Adolf Hitler, and then he became yes. Hitler.
2: I mean, yeah, no, like, it, it, like it, it comes in stages, and, you know, people will be like, well, he's not... He, he, well, he's not actively gassing people, so you know your comparison is, you know, immaterial. When it's like, like they didn't start out gassing. People.
0: Right, he didn't just like, come out of the gate. started game. out, yeah, like the concentration camps
1: on the border, for example, like the uh, the concentration camps on the border and the original Konzentrationslager in, uh, in Nazi Germany. the you are incredibly comparable. Oh, yeah. Right? Now one. Eventually. Yeah, no, like you know,
2: like you know, you're putting in refugees because they're not they're not compatible with our society. You know, this this rhetoric of like, well, they don't quite fit in our society, despite you know these people, some of them having family here. Yeah.
0: Do you
1: do
0: you guys think? So um, I I I
1: mentioned. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna ask if you. you, I mentioned. (laughs) I mentioned um, the the coming of the third Reich book by Richard J. Evans, um, and if there's anything that like would give you guys some comfort at least is that the the comparison's not one to one, right? There are some key like there are some key functions of German fascism or or Nazism um, that haven't quite emerged yet. So one of the big ones was. That there was a strong history of authoritarian regimes in Germany before with, with Bismarck, right? The fact of the matter is that German democracy only survived for like 20 years. You know, it, it really was not that long. And during those 20 years, sorry,
2: uh, it it was closer to like 15 to 13 years.
1: Ago. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and during that time, Weimar Germany was incredibly unstable. It had hyperinflation. There were Constant coup attempts from from the left and the right. um So if if we see the rise of like a an authoritarian regime, obviously like American fascism will not just be swastika, right? It will have its own symbols. It will have its own ideology. Whether or not that ideology is like explicitly racialized, we don't know yet, right? But yes. like there it, it's it's going to be really weird to map out these next few years and you can't just say like oh we're just going to do a nazi germany and this isn't meant to say like oh yeah we shouldn't worry about fascism because fascism is one of the defining like features of our politics right now but um we definitely don't we're not just doing a nazi germany
0: again that's yeah it.
2: i mean folks who are not a fan of fascism should uh keep, keep an keep an eye on uh uh, representative elect Madison Cawthorn, who was
1: oh uh, god, I hate that guy.
2: Yeah, um, so he's like a straight up fascist. Is he one of
0: the uh, QAnon an, guys? What is he one of the QAnon people that got elected? No, fascist?
2: no, he's uh, to my knowledge, he's not a QAnon. Oh, um, so he's just a
0: different uh, fascist who got elected.
2: He, he, he's just a fascist, right? Like <laughs> he named his he named his like development company SPQR, which Uh, SPQR is like like a um, like a denotion for like the Roman legion, and in more modern times is used a lot by by fascists, right? It's not something you normally see outside of like like it's not something you normally see out of like a history book or fascism, right? Like those are the two instances where you find that. and also he's, you know, spoken very fawningly about like uh Hitler's summer home. He he reverently or, or almost reverently like referred to him as the Fuhrer. Uh
0: and where where is he what district or state is he representing?
2: Uh I believe North Carolina. Uh yeah um north carolina that's yeah north carolina for the 11th congressional district
1: so i think that there's another figure that we should cover when it comes to the rise of american fascism um and that's uh the honorable josh Hawley, american senator from missouri um and the thing about this guy that we have to realize is he is he is full tilt kind of religious american hates lgbt rights basically or or uh he supports like businesses not being allowed to support uh service lgbt people which i i've never understood that one right like that that just seems like a blanket violation of rights because like the whole like well it's according to my religious beliefs like would well, that fly when it comes
2: to, to race it's, it's, yeah it's worthless
0: absolutely not that which is a
2: thing that has happened you know like at, at one point in time you know there were there were you know christian churches in america that like thought that you know black people were descendants of like Cain or something right it's some crazy stuff
0: i just it sometimes yeah. i just think about how it short God. of a time it's been since um gay marriage was legalized and it just blows my mind and i like sorry i just some, I can't believe people have been so ignorant. Yeah.
1: Yeah, another thing that Josh Hawley did was he really he really led like a right-wing populist attack on big tech, right? And the thing is, is that basically nobody actually liked big tech, but the way in which he did it was very much, when, when you get right-wing populist attacks on, on large corporations, it almost always devolves into kind of anti-politics. That really is how it works, you know. Um, and I'm not like Holly doesn't seem to have like indicated any of that quite so far, you know. Um, but that that kind of like vein of understanding, it really it really uh is quite dangerous.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, I I write or uh, this is in my uh, in my story that's coming out uh, this weekend, but. Uh, I mean, you know, like, a lot of conspiracy theories and stuff, a lot of it comes back to, we don't like Jewish people.
0: Yeah, we don't, we don't really, and it's pretty unfortunate, um, which you can say about a lot of American sentiments towards minority groups, but. Yeah, so it looks like we're coming up on the last few minutes. So is there anything anyone is absolutely dying to bring up before we sign off for today?
1: What do we think about Cuban-Americans, like their full tilt toward the conservatism and towards Trump?
2: I mean, they've always been pretty conservative because of Castro, and that's, you know, kind of unavoidable. Uh... I, you know, I I believe that like younger Cubans are like becoming more, you know, liberal. But mm.
0: I don't know. I feel like I don't know enough about that to speak on it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I mean, there there is like some people say that like all the Cubans who are conservative are like rich Cubans because the only only Cubans who are able to emigrate from Cuba were rich. But that's not that's not quite the case. Like there were there were plenty of poor Cubans who um like just by the skin of their teeth were able to make it to america um but you see like a lot of uh, a lot of the people who obviously fled from cuba were like dissidents right of the castro regime
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and so it would it would make sense that they would have a, a negative opinion of socialism after that so yeah and that's why you saw like miami gate county uh towards Trump or or it Biden still won it but it did go towards Trump part partly because the Cuban-American vote carried it
0: yeah yeah. all right well thank you Jason for coming and joining us on the opinion side of things over here Um, you've been a welcome welcome guest you're welcome back anytime Um, And thank you, everyone, for listening to the second episode of In My Humble Opinion. Hopefully, next week, we will be able to talk to you about something besides the election, but I'm not sure that that will be the case. All right, everyone, stay safe, wash your hands, and have a great rest of your day, unless this is night, in which case, have a great rest of your night.